Hi everyone, this is Patrick and you're listening to the Phileas Club for the month of September 2008. The world almost ended twice. Hello everyone and welcome to the PS Club, the show where we talk about world news and we try to have fun doing it. I'm Patrick Beja, I'm your host, and today I have two wonderful people with me. I, I think it's a recurring thing that I say people are wonderful all the time, but it, it's always true, so what can I say? Um, we have Turkey, who is our very own resident uh, John C. Dvorak, uh, only <laughs> in uh, uh, an Arab version. How are you, Turkey? Yeah. I'm great. You just need to visit my website, so, saudilife.net. <laughs> A saudilife.net. I had to plug it in, just like the Vora does. <laughs> um, so you're you're back home now, right? Yep, I'm back in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, trying to settle down and looking for a job. Cool. Um, and we also have a uh, another wonderful host with us, uh, Tom Merritt from Buzz Out Loud. How are you, Tom? Lies do not become you, Patrick. <laughs> no, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, thank you for deeming me wonderful, even though I, I blew you off on the first attempt to record this episode. Yes, I, I'm persistent and very forgiving. Uh, so <laughs> well, good. I'm glad of go. the second part very much. So. <laughs> um, the, the reason uh, why I wanted to have you on, though, is, well, you know, Buzz Out Loud is great and everything, and I love it, but uh, I really figured that you would be interesting to talk to in that setting uh, when I started listening to East Meets uh, West, uh, the show that you do with Rog Roger Chang, your old pal. Yeah. Uh, Roger, Roger and I go back way back. We used to work at ZDTV together way back in the late 90s, and, and we w were both in the technology industry and wanted a venue to kind of talk about our other interests. And not that we don't touch on technology in the East Meets West podcast every once in a while, but uh, it lets us just kind of be free-flowing and experimental, and we'll talk about politics or science fiction or, or whatever uh, comes to mind. It's Two really topics fun. topics that really go well together, politics and science fiction. Often they do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, uh, we'll uh, I'll ask you more about that uh, at the end of the show when I give you you guys a chance to plug your own uh, blogs because God knows they're not really famous at all. Um, and uh, before that, we're going to go through all the news that happened in the past month, and we're going to start right now with uh, the international news section. So, international news. Um, I guess there's only one really big story that dominated uh, everything in the past month, and that's, of course, the financial crisis um, that started with, well, it started a while ago, but the really uh, big thing that blew it open uh, for the whole world, I think, was the demise of uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, which, by the way, first of all, w what's, what's the deal with those names? I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, you need you need to have something that uh, people can identify with when they when they want to get a a, a mortgage loan after they've been turned down by real banks. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are exactly Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, and, and what happened to them? They, they they loan money to people to buy houses, right? Is that it? 
Uh, yeah, I think the idea, if I got this right, and I'm not exactly you know, the expert in Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, but they were set up by the government. They were government programs that were spun out as private institutions in order to supplement the mortgage loan marketplace so that right. folks who didn't normally get approved for loans because the banks... Uh, you know, were very interested in a high standard at the time that these were created, uh, would be able to have a marketplace to go get loans. And I, I believe they may have engaged into some buying some loans from banks uh, that were maybe a little higher risk. And so the, the impulse was good in setting them up, which was to, to widen the marketplace so that more people could get into home ownership. The idea at the time was that it's a very low-risk situation to set these up because the marketplace will always go up. I heard people as as recently as a year ago saying the housing market will always go up. It will never fall. Well, in, in a sense, it's true because now we're in the middle of a crisis. But if you, you know, land or housing is the only thing that will never stay down forever. It's not, it's not like, I don't know, people are going to stop using cars one day and cars are not going to sell. And if you own a car company, you're going to be down, which might conceivably happen at some point. The houses are always going to be there. And down the road, down the line, like in 10 years or whatever... The, the market is going to recover, right? So, so Well, sure. I, I mean, you could say that about most markets is that they, they tend over a long enough term to go up. Well, uh, I, I, and, and, that's, and I think you're absolutely right that housing has got a nice, solid foundation to it, no pun intended, because <laughs> everybody needs a place to live. But what happened was they started loosening their terms for giving out loans, started getting people into these loans that depended on not only housing prices going up, but going up at a certain rate. And when investors who were fueling these rate rises pulled out of the housing market, mm. it caused the rates of, of the housing prices to flatten, which caused people who had these adjustable mortgages, these jumbo loans, these ridiculous loans that they should never have been approved for, not be able to get the equity back out of the house that they were relying on to continue to pay. Okay. They default on their mortgage. The mortgage is for the house is foreclosed upon. Now you've got all these junk mortgages that the banks have to get rid of. They can't find anybody to buy them. They don't have uh, liquidity anymore because they're not getting the money from these mortgage payments. So then they start to not be able to get credit to continue their business, and then the businesses fail. Um, so that's the, the, the explanation of the, the system. Now, what happened when, when Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae uh, were in really big trouble is that the government uh, bailed them out. And that happened after Bern Stearns, which is another big uh, institution, yeah. ba got bailed out. And then a few days later, um, Lehman Brothers uh, got uh, – what's the name of the regulation to um, – you know, it, well, basically it, was, it got bankrupt. Yeah, it and, went bankrupt. Um, Uh, Merrill Lynch, which is another huge institution, got saved by Bank of America. It was almost bankrupt. And AIG, um, which is another big insurer who was the insurer for Lehman Brothers, uh, almost collapsed. So anyway, the point of it is that um, a lot of people were saying that, well, most people agree that this is the worst financial, financial crisis uh, since the big depression of 1929, uh, and that the whole uh, financial system in the whole world is in jeopardy at the moment. And um, the, the American government is trying to uh, get a plan together to Uh, save uh, those institutions so that the world doesn't end, I guess. 
Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Uh, if the so, Large Hadron Collider doesn't kill us, the financial system will. <laughs> yeah, we, we, the world might end twice. That, that's, <laughs> that, that's double the chances. I think I it's just like got a zombie my, movie. Yeah. I think I just got the, the title for the episode. Um, <laughs> anyway, so what I want to know now is um, how those things were perceived in uh, each of our countries. Um, I guess we'll uh, maybe I'll, I'll uh, um, start with Turkey. Uh, you've been back in Saudi Arabia for a while, and you guys have oil. Um, you you're not that. Uh, I mean, the financial system is obviously a big deal for you, I guess. But was that foreign to you guys? Did you see that from afar, or how did it go? Well, actually, in Saudi Arabia, the, our biggest problem is that the Saudi currency is linked to the dollar. So there's a fixed rate of exchange rate between the U.S. dollar and the Saudi rials. So as long as the dollar keeps falling down, everything here is going up in prices like crazy. So anything that affects the U.S., unless uh, local the government here uh, decides to change the exchange rate or just changes the currency it's linked to, Everything that happens in the U.S. affects us very, very directly. So everyone was glued to their TV uh, looking at what was happening uh, in the U.S.? Yeah, well, it's, it's not as much as... Uh, things have been bad like for a few months now, ever since the dollar fell. So, and the change in dollar price, actually the dollar is a little stronger than a couple of months ago. So this financial crisis isn't affecting us as much we're more concerned about how the dollar does more mm. than what the financial companies and corporations are doing because they don't really affect us that much and more uh, the few people who, although there's a huge investment in the u.s there's i think there's at least uh, six billion dollars of investments from saudi nationals in the u.s so they are affected Uh, but beyond that, the normal people in Saudi Arabia, they, all their concern is whether the dollar is up or down. The prices are crazy here. People are not very happy at all. Everything is expensive. So, do you and guys? So, what some people in America are, are afraid that this $700 billion dollar bailout of the financial system could further devalue the dollar, which would impact Saudi Arabia as well. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the problems with the whole. Uh, bailout system is they're they're trying to save the entire uh, financial system and they're ignoring the people like i th i think they would they should spend more of the money on saving the people who have all of these loans and are falling badly in the u.s instead of helping these financial systems who are completely idiots they got themselves into this and then we're and then the taxpayers are saving them and getting nothing out of it yeah this is one of the arguments that was made over over that incredible uh, plan the 700 uh, the 700 billion dollars plan which was you know this is a sort of a normal flush out of the system and the the way the capitalist uh, system is implemented is that when something fails it it rots and falls away so it's hard for a few months or even a few years but at least the thing that didn't work or the idiots that provoked it are going to go away and with that bailout it's 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 preventing that uh, purge from happening um well, it Yeah, I mean, it, and it depends on how they do it. I mean, this is where the debate, at least in the United States, I find totally unhelpful because you have people out there saying they're just giving money to the corporations, and it's not exactly what they're proposing. What they're proposing is to make the government a player in the free market and buy securities that are high risk. So 
it's a little more nuanced. It, it still could have the same effect, though. But it's it's definitely a free market approach to fixing the free market problem. But it's not an entirely pure free market because you have the government play, messing with the free market. They're not necessarily just giving money away, but they are sort of purchasing securities that might not get purchased otherwise. And they might win. I mean, that's the thing. The problem is the way the free market's supposed to work is the government isn't supposed to do that. Some smart person who thinks they can figure mm. out how to make money off these bad securities is supposed to come in and buy them, but nobody's doing that. So do you think that it should be left unregulated the way it has been? Because the argument here in, in France is that Oh, those idiots, we've been saying that forever. Uh, we know that we need at least some amount of regulation. Uh, and I think that's what uh, Sarkozy, our president, who acts as, who is uh, the UN's active president at the moment, uh, said uh, at the UN in New York. He said, you know, we can't have anarchy, which is what is happening now in the free market. You have to have some measure of regulation. Um, and that even him, who is from the right in France, uh, agrees with that. What's the perception? Did it go too far? Did the free market go too far? Or is, uh, you know, socialism still a bad word in the U.S. after this? Oh, yeah. Socialism is still a bad word in the U.S. Let me, I mean, let me try to speak on behalf of what the U.S. is thinking in its schizophrenic, divided mind. Okay. Uh, There, there are the people who feel like we absolutely have to do something to fix this. More regulation is needed. Uh, and at the same time, there are people saying, but you can't just go and reward the people that messed up. You have to let the free market work. So, so the United States as a whole is sort of saying both things at once. Mm. We, we need more government interaction on the one hand, but it shouldn't be that kind of interaction giving money to it. Um, my personal feeling is we had the regulations in place in the 90s. They were working. What happened was in the dot-com boom era, the Clinton administration actually started the ball rolling saying hey let's loosen up on things mm. let's 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 not you know we're 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 in in uh we're in danger of dousing this flame let's uh let's let things take off and the bush administration came in and fed poured gasoline on the fire yeah. and and lifted regulations right and left so uh, in my personal opinion it feels like we need to go back to a more sensible regulation mm. scheme maybe not identical to what we had in the past but we have had it in the past so yeah. why is this so hard well um, i think one of the reasons of this downfall is the whole thing after 9-11 is that it's, it's so difficult nowadays for any international corporation anybody from outside the u.s to do business in the u.s and that's really hurting the economy there Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. That is a big part of it. When you make it hard for talent to come in and go to your schools, people are people want to come to the universities here and are being denied. Very intelligent people. You, and, and the brain drain has been going on since World War II. And effectively, what the United States is saying is we don't want the brains anymore, even if they still want to come uh, here. That's bad. And then you're also causing it companies... It, it can get maybe I'm overstating it, but it, it definitely is becoming a hassle for people to try to come to school here. Where yeah, well, it, the way they is, were welcomed is, before. Yeah, before it would like I would tell from my experience when I needed to to come and study in the U.S. The first time I came there, it took me one whole day just to get my visa and I'm done. The second time, which is what after 9-11, it took me 45 days just to get my oh, visa man. to go there. Mm. 
Um, there's another thing I want to ask you guys about. Um, the you know, Sark I was saying that Sarkozy spoke at the UN. I, first of all, I want to know if you guys heard of it or did he, you know he's the president of Europe at the moment. Did you even hear that he was at the UN in New York or did it not? Uh, um, did you not hear at all? Yeah, I heard a lot of blabbering from the UN. I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I was aware that he spoke at the UN, but all of the news coverage here was about Sarah Palin meeting with Hamid Karzai. Oh, we'll get to her in a moment. <laughs> um, so what he said, basically, the most uh, the strongest message was, we have to find the people who are responsible for this, and they have to be held accountable, which is a common theme in, the, in French politics. Maybe it doesn't happen, but at least the idea is that people have to be held accountable, and they are not being held accountable in these big companies at the moment. Is that also a strong feeling in, in both of your countries, or is it just us? Yeah, well, accountability is, is a strong feeling, although we don't get a lot of accountability in this country, <laughs> but it is a strong feeling. And, and the problem with the U.S., the U.S. knew up front, the government already knew that things are falling badly, and they did not react in, in advance enough. They had all of these companies just in the start. They started with uh, WorldCom, Enron, moving slowly to this situation, and the government just was too busy blowing up and things in Iraq and Afghanistan than to worry about the local economy there. Well, I, I don't think that they were too busy. I think they knew exactly what was going on, and they, they felt like it's not going to change things. It's not going to mm -hmm. harm things. That housing market is strong. Uh, this, the, that power market uh, can recover. The, you know, this and that, the only market that's really collapsing in the early part of the decade is the dot-com bubble, and that's, that's limited. That's not going to have any wide-ranging repercussions. The mm -hmm. you know, genetic science market is strong, this and that. So I, I think... It was. I think they knew exactly what was happening, and and just underestimated uh, mostly that this housing market and the oil market. I feel like uh, were going to go the way that they did, and and not that they couldn't have so seen that. Not so that they weren't not, wrong. It's not apathy. It's the fact that they didn't see it coming. It's yeah. It's not apathy. It's it's a little bit of didn't see it coming, and a little bit of not caring. Oh. Uh, feeling like that they, you know, they would be able to negotiate their way through the mm. mess somehow. They can fix it as it goes along. I feel like yeah. that's the one of the seminal properties of the Bush administration is we can always figure it out no matter yeah. what happens. So let's do what is our neocon principle, mm. and we'll always our 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 ideology will be able to get us out of any mess we get in and it's, that's mm. really being put to the test right now okay another thing that was interesting was the re reaction of the uh u.s the american people i think to more or less uh the government buying aig that big uh, insurer that we were talking about before um th they there was in in my uh view of it a real feeling of we bought we as a people bought aig and well actually the, the government well patrick the government did not buy aig they gave That's them right. a loan they bought yeah, yeah, uh, the loan companies they bought those fannie mae and the other one but aig was giving a loan that they are but it's a huge loan they gave them 80 billion dollars alone right w what i mean is the feeling of it it was perceived in in america as the people bought those companies and we are now the owners and what i'm getting at is in france it wouldn't have been perceived like that because 
the people and the government are seen as two completely separate entities. As like if something like that happened, the people would say, "Oh, the state did this," and it's not you know it's not me. It doesn't really concern me. That's not my money. It's the you know whatever ethereal um, entity out there that's called the the French state or the French government that bought it. And it was very surprising to me how personally the the the, the American people seem to take it. Do you, do you feel, Tom, like you've uh, be like you've invested in those failing companies that your money has been put to use for this? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, the two minds of the American populace, which is on the one hand to really believe that we the people are the government. That 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 those uh, de- that is a, a true democracy, and those representatives in government are our representatives, and everything they do, they do on our behalf. They work for us because we pay the taxes, that pay their salaries, and make the government run. While at the same time, being able to talk about the government as they, they do things wrong. They shouldn't do this bailout, mm. you know, and and really separate it. So we. We have this brilliant. I guess Mark Twain said the uh, uh, you know the the sign of brilliance is to be able to hold two opposing ideas in your mind at once. The United States must be apparently very brilliant by that <laughs> maxim because they we can do that. Because personally, I do not feel like this is being done on my behalf. Mm. Uh, I, I I intellectually know that yes, my tax money is part of the money uh, that's that's there. I don't think people really feel it on a visceral level. In, in the most part, some people do, uh, but I, I think we, we as a country, I should say, the United States as a country really does uh, like the idea of taking responsibility as a people, mm. especially when the government does something wrong or very right. Uh, so when the government does something wrong, we like to be outraged. And when the government does something right, we like to take credit. Uh, but then when the government's just kind of incompetent, it's them. It's not us. <laughs> so you don't feel like you've bought uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and all those? No, I mean, I, 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 and I'm probably unusual in this way, but I, I, yeah, I know that I had nothing to do with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and by the way, the, this, this idea of holding two ideas uh, at the same time might be uh, uh, a sign of brilliance, but it's also a very Orwellian uh, doublethink kind of thing. So I don't know what it says about, you know. Yes, uh, it isn't. <laughs> there you go. Um, one last thing uh, about this is um, the way we reported it in France was sort of weird and maybe doublethink-like also because it was... It was, um, okay, so this is the worst thing since 1929. And as you know, you know, in 1929, people didn't have money to eat. You know, they right, would take they buckets of, of Yeah, they would take buckets of, of bills to buy a, a bag of potatoes. Uh, maybe that was Germany, but still. Um, and, and so they would say, you know, this is the end of the world. And, and, and this is 1918, tw- uh, 1929. And we're all going to uh, be out of money in a minute. And... Now on to sports news and blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and I couldn't understand this, but I don't know. Apparently, I, so is it being blown out of proportion or is it really, is there really a danger of the world actually knowing a, a really big financial crisis as bad as it was in 29? I, I don't know, but that, that dichotomy was weird. 
Well, maybe that's just a symptom of the the popular news cycle where we have gotten so used to having things blown out of proportion because that's what gets people's attention. Like coming yeah. up on the news tonight, the chemicals in your house that will kill you. And it, you know, it turns <laughs> out like, well, if you didn't put the cap on the bleach, it's dangerous. Uh, you know, so we're, we're sort of used to that from, from the news media. So when they say like, you know, if we don't do something about this financial crisis, people could starve and it could bring the world to its knees. Mm. We don't. We're not surprised when they go on to sports because you know yeah. we're sort of jaded. I think at this so point. So it's the, it's the news who cried wolf, perhaps. Um, I, I would like also to say that it's not that bad in France. I mean, we don't have that politics of fear uh, everywhere. Uh, when I say politics, I mean news uh, cycle of fear uh, mm -hmm. everywhere. It's 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 pretty good for for now. It's not it's not that bad in in France. Um, Okay, I guess that that's going to be enough on the financial crisis. Uh, we spent about, I don't know, 20 minutes on it, but it's probably warranted because, as we said, it was definitely the biggest news in the past month. But let's try to talk a little bit about uh, something else also before we go to the local stories. Um, I guess uh, Pakistan was somewhat of a big story with um, uh, Benazir Bhutto's widower, who was elected uh, as president. And the, the story there is that he was known as a very corrupt uh, part of the government uh, before, so much so that he was called Mr. 10% because he was taking bribes of 10% of whatever budget he would allow to a private company or whatever. Um, we heard about this a little bit. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Is it a big deal? I mean, it should be a bigger deal uh, for the U.S. because, you know, Pakistan is, an, is, an, uh, is very involved in the war on terror but yeah well it's uh, it, was, it was reported in the united states as that bastard musharraf has finally been removed what? and and we have a democrat that we can deal with exactly i know it's it, it's insane because uh because what has been seen is musharraf has cooperated but not fully he hasn't allowed us to bomb parts of his own country and hopefully this new president will be more democratic and less of a dictator uh, that that really was the spin on a lot of the stories that i saw here well he was a dictator no no doubt about it but but he was still well maybe the good kind of dictators i don't know if that exists And and also he was an ally, uh, he was an ally uh, of the U.S. in the war on terror. Maybe not a hundred percent, but he was definitely not as bad as some other people who were definitely not cooperating with it. So, right, but he wasn't a patsy. He didn't he didn't let the United States yeah. just push him around. So that's not good enough. Okay. And also the fact that that he was a he was a military dictator uh, bothered some people. And like you say, rightly so, he was a dictator. But but yeah, it was it, a lot has not been reported about the reality behind. Uh, the new president here. Okay. It's sort of thrown off as Benazir Bhutto's husband and Benazir Bhutto, and then it's all about her and how <laughs> wonderful she, and uh, how wonderful she was, and not okay. much depth into what you're talking about with the Mr. Ten Percenter. Don't hear that in almost any stories over here. Oh, wow! Uh, Turkey, I, rad I, ra I rather they have a dictator on that country than having some elected president. Uh, Why I is that? Well. Because that, the, if you go to Pakistan, you will see the type of people there. They need someone to hold them with an iron fist. Otherwise, things are going to be crazy. And soon enough, those nuclear plants and nuclear weapons are going to be under the hands of terrorists. Well, it's a, it's a pretty bleak picture, picture, picture you're, you're uh, painting here. But I definitely understand your, your view of it. And I think that in France, maybe not everyone, but we do understand the value of a good 
quote unquote dictator because he's well, he has it, it, it might be a bleak picture, but trust me, I know Pakistanis yeah. very well. I met them, I've seen them as a <laughs> child. I lived there for a couple of years, so I know the country there. Most of the people, the problem with Pakistan is a very, it's, it's very divided. There's about like, you can say maybe 10, 20% are educated well people and the rest 80% maybe are uneducated and they can be manipulated so easily well, that, that's the case, by anybody. That's the case in, well, I, I would argue even in, in some of our Alabama. countries as we're seeing. <laughs> I wasn't going to be that specific, but, but it, it's definitely the case in any third world country. I mean, well, okay, let, let's, let's move on. But uh, if, even if you see uh, Iraq, the, the Saddam was a horrible person and there's debate on, on whether or not he was, you know, it was good to remove him. But one thing that you can't deny is... Iraq was handled when he was there because he was a horrible yeah. dictator. Well, so. well, that's the difference between Pakistan and Iraq. And I, I, I also agree that Iraq needs a dictatorship, and that's a fact of history. <laughs> if you ever study, if you ever study the history of Iraq, you would find that the most time it, the country stable is under dictatorship. And and the difference is, as I said, in Pakistan, like maybe 80% are uneducated people. However, in Iraq, 90% are educated people. They have the, one of the highest education systems uh, percentage in the entire Arab world and the Islamic world. Hmm. So it's the only difference there is it's just there's so division about the sects and so on. Uh, the, they have the Shias, the Sunnis, and all of those differentiations that are making things difficult. It's not that they are not educated people. So okay. that's the basic difference between. Well, and I mean, I think that's this is the problem with the idea of spreading democracy by force is this idea that you can just go in and impose democracy and the benefits of democracy will become evident overnight. The, the uh, thing that I would I would uh, say about this uh, is that a lot of people see France as the uh, you know the, the the birthing place of of democracy in a sense, and um, yeah, we gave it to you. Oh, yeah, of course, after yeah. beheading all of those people. <laughs> great well, democracy movement in France. Yeah, you know, what happened in, in 1789 wasn't that one day, you know, we beheaded the king and all of a sudden everyone was uh, happy in the street, right? It, it gave birth to uh, quite a few years of the most horrible, horrible, horrible period of history in France. The, the, the period that immediately followed the revolution in France was called the Terror. That's how horrible it was. And it, it wasn't pretty. But anyway, we, we, we should probably move on. I just want to get uh, uh, just a few words uh, out of Turkey uh, from uh, Tipi Livni, who was elected head of Kadema and who is probably the next prime minister uh, of Israel. Um, because, uh, well, anyway, j just let me know in a nutshell what, what you think of this and how it was reported on in Saudi Arabia. Well, two points. Easy. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's Israel. Uh, whoever becomes president is the same old story. The second point is, I think a nice cartoon that came out in a Jordanian newspaper just says it all. A guy is holding Levy's picture and running and having all of the... and falling in love with her and running after her. Another guy tells him, stop, don't do that. She's a Zionist. And the guy just looks at him, oh, your mom is the Zionist you have. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Tom, anything about uh, Tipe Livni? Well, tell me a little bit more about the accusation of her being a Zionist. I really honestly don't know enough about her. Well, basically, we, we consider all... Uh, Israel is a Zionist nation, so... So they're all Zionists, okay. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a Zionist. Tippy Livni is more Zionist than than others. Um, no, yeah, no, I, no. It's, it's just the whole concept. The Israel, the Israel is based on Zionist movement. So, you consider sure. Arabs consider everybody in Israel a Zionist. That's uh, a basic uh, view. Okay. Um, let's uh, close this uh, this section of the show with the second doom that uh, will befall us pretty soon. Although we got a, a little bit of time. Um, the Large Hadron Collider uh, was put online uh, this month. Uh, and uh, apparently it's supposed to create tiny black holes that will engulf the whole planet and uh, destroy us all. <laughs> you make it sound like it was designed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- Tom, your, your, the quality of your uh, connection is falling down a little bit. Uh, are you? Um, I haven't changed anything on what I'm doing. Okay. Oh, Maybe Comcast is throttling me because of my viewpoint. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, you coming back. You're 250 gigs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the LHC. Uh, we had a, f- a little bit of reporting that uh, the the uh, what? Okay, first of all, what does it do? Uh, it, it studies particles or something sciency that I don't get. <laughs> it studies particles and something sciency. That, I think that's a, an apt a, description. A, a fair assessment. Um, okay. It, it's a super collider. So uh, the idea is to take uh, uh, and collide particles together. And when you do that, it creates enough energy that the particles may split apart into the subatomic particles, uh, or other sub- or change them into other subatomic particles, so that you can identify them based on the way they trace. The big thing they're looking for is the Higgs boson. Uh, that will complete the chart of subatomic particles and validate a whole section of physics if it appears, if they find evidence of it. Now and- this this. The stuff about miniature black holes is is very theoretical physics, and I'm not a physicist, so I, I'm not certain how it plays out. Uh, but miniature black holes is, is sort of a, a, a not a misnomer, but it sounds a whole lot different than what it actually is. I mean, it, it creates micro singularities, and all of these things. This is what people don't understand. All of these things last for very small portions of a second. Even the Higgs boson, if they find it, won't last for very long. They'll just find traces of it. Uh, so the idea that you know this micro-singularity would last long enough to start gaining momentum and become a big black hole and eat us all is, is extraordinarily remote. Well, you know, I, I, I don't really understand all this. It's science and it scares me. So there you go. <laughs> as it as all science should. <laughs> Turkey, did you, did you get any reports on that in Saudi Arabia, or again, is it too far away? Or well, we got reports, but nothing about doom and and so on, because uh, due to our belief system, it's just we haven't seen the signs that said that doomsday <laughs> is there here yet. So we don't care. We don't believe that's doomsday yet. So. Oh wow, that's interesting. Um, well, and, and then now it's now it's broken anyway because they they turned it on. They sent a proton around one direction and one around the other, uh, or or some particle. I may be getting that wrong. It may not have been a proton. Um, and and that it all tested <laughs> I, out I fine. Love, I, I love how geeky enough you are that you you are actually uh, say, want to say exactly what particle it is. Uh, sorry, that's a side sorry. effect of doing Buzz Out Loud podcast <laughs> long enough. You know, every single thing you say, you'll have someone who's an expert on that writing and going, well, actually, Tom, what it was that they sent around was a neutron. Um, 
<laughs> and someone will probably correct me and say a proton or a neutron were not correct, Tom. What they actually were. But anyway, I digress. Uh, they warmed it up. They didn't collide anything. And then uh, a part of it has malfunctioned. And it's going to take a year to fix. Wow. So we, yeah, we get well, another year. That's good. Well, it all comes down to the media and the country and the belief system of the people. So as I said, here in our world, nobody really cared for them. Yeah. Doomsday is far away, at least for now. They don't see any signs of it. That they're When supposed is to Doomsday? Well, we don't have a date. We have signs in the Islamic faith. There are signs. If this happens, then that means Doomsday is coming close. So what, so what is one of the big signs? Sarah Palin? <laughs> I think that's one of them. <laughs> okay, on that note, we're going to slide over gently to the local stories and we'll get back to Miss Palin in a little bit. Uh, just a little tease ahead for you there. <laughs> Okay, so local stories. Uh, who should go first? Uh, well, you know what, guys? Maybe I'm gonna. Um, the main stories in France. There was well, there were a few ones that uh, were not major, and I don't, I'm I'm curious to know if you've heard about them. But uh, one of them was um, the fact that the Pope uh, came to France, uh, and he, of course, was uh, received in. You know, there was a lot of people who went to see him, and he talked to the president and everything. And he said that uh, religion in France had been sort of ostracized for uh, quite a while, and. In a sense, I think he's he's kind of uh, right because as I sta as I, I've stated before, France is a very atheistic country, and I think in, it's it comes as a surprise to us how much religion plays a big role in other countries because in ours it's really not that big of a deal. So he said that it, it uh, Christians shouldn't feel guilty for being Christians. Maybe not guilty, but at least ashamed of being Christians. And in a way, they, they were a little bit... Uh, I, you know, it's a difficult thing to tackle because it's not like we would ridicule Christians or anything in, in France, but it, it didn't play, play a role in po politics and in the social life in general. Um, so anyway, that, that's the, the gist of it. Um, did you guys hear about the Pope coming to France? Was it a big deal or not at all? It wasn't. It wasn't really. It didn't make the news with the financial crisis and the presidential election. Well, uh, that, yeah, the, 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 that it, happened it, it at the beginning the of the month. So, okay, Turkey. Yeah, I never heard of it of myself. Okay. So, wow, France is going to sound very, very small uh, this month because that was the biggest one. Um, well, when the pope when the pope goes somewhere odd where he would never go, uh, you know, if he if he went to Saudi Arabia, for instance, or 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 Pakistan, that makes the news here. If the pope sure. comes to South America, uh, then that would make the news here. But pretty much everywhere else, they assume, well, of course he went there. He rules okay. that part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, he sort of does. Um, okay, another thing uh, that happened was uh, a couple of. Uh, Pirates uh, of ships were captured by pirates off the coasts of uh, Somalia. Uh, Somalia? Yes, Somalia. And uh, the French Navy got, uh, got them back. They, they uh, killed some of the pirates and everything was fine. But apparently it's becoming a huge problem that was brought to light with those stories uh, because Somalia is, uh, is uh, getting a lot of uh, piracy uh, today. And that came as a, a surprise uh, for us because, you know, I, t when you say piracy, I think, you know, uh, 
Pirates of the Caribbean and slightly gay uh, Johnny Depp uh, <laughs> in a brilliant role. So, yeah, well, actually, Somalia now is the one of the crossing the Malik Hormuz, the Hormuz uh, area, is one of the most dangerous places for any ship to go nowadays. And actually, I think it was, what, five days ago, uh, sh an, uh, 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 a ship was uh, hijacked that had 30 T-72 armored vehicles on them. Wow. Uh, I don't know what a T-72 is, but it sounds dangerous. So it's, it's, it's a Russian uh, uh. armored vehicle, and they got them, and they're trying to get them back right now. Oh. I, uh, I, I know a, a, maybe a year or two ago, a cruise ship near Somalia was attacked by pirates, and that was when I first learned about the fact that pirates are sort of resurgent in those seas. Uh, a cruise ship? You mean you mean a, a navy, sh yeah, American navy ship? It, I don't know if it was an American ship or not, but it was a it was a sort of an entertainment ship, a cruise oh. ship for people vacationing. Oh, cruise. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Not a cruise missile. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I believe I believe the last during the last year in Somalia, the last I think I read it was 35 ships were hijacked. Okay, so I guess uh, the lesson to learn here is don't spend your holidays off the coast of Somalia. Well, I, the French Navy, when I think of the French Navy, uh, which I don't all that often, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I, I think I think of that era of colonial expansion, you know, when they when the French Navy fought pirates all the time out out in in the Atlantic Ocean. So so the idea of a French Navy catching pirates is just I mean, that's like old times. It's great. Yeah. Well, and, actually, the French have a naval base in uh, Djibouti. Which is borders Somalia to the north, so that's basically why they're active there. Yeah, that and, and we still use uh, wooden galleons. <laughs> exactly, I'm sure that's what I'm picturing, right? It's a yeah. clipper ship, sort of. Uh, and I'm sure someone someone will send an email to say that, uh, that we never used galleons, and that's yeah, right, or clipper ship ships. Or yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about, there would be a lot to talk, but uh, uh, I want to, to let you guys talk too, was um, the Socialist Party, uh, you know, we have socialists here in France, don't, don't run away, uh, they're okay. No, we have them here in the US too, we, they, they keep them under observation, I think. Yeah, well, the ours are actually one of the uh, two major parties, the left uh, party is the Socialist Party, so they're trying to renew um, the 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 head, uh, the prime uh, secretary of their uh, of the party, and the election is going to take place uh, in a in in a little while. So we have all the the candidates who are uh, showing up now, and uh, the two th the two people I wanted to uh, highlight was one is the uh, Bertrand de Lannoy, who is the mayor of Paris, and he's openly gay. So I don't know how incredible that sounds for you guys, but uh, or if it's just you know uh, absolutely uh, accepted. But he's openly gay, and he might very well take the uh, head of the party and be uh, a candidate for the pres next presidential election. I don't um, think that would ever happen in Saudi or the U.S. <laughs> Uh, probably not yet for a president, although uh, Barney Frank is an openly gay member of Congress who's leading the uh, negotiations over the financial crisis, so it's not totally un unheard of here, depending he on that. Yeah, of course he is. Yeah, of which, course. <laughs> which the Republicans call socialists, so it's kind of the same thing. 
um, the other person of, of note who is a candidate for that uh, post is uh, Ségolène Royal, who was the um, uh, candidate for the left at the last election and who lost uh, to Sarkozy. And I guess the reason why it's interesting is that she's a woman, of course. Um, and she had a concert yesterday, I think, um, to sort of, I don't know exactly what it was for, but she was promoting her candidacy. And she was on stage with all this music and, and lights at night. And she was doing sort of like a, a, a stand-up comedian bit. Almost. It wasn't very funny, but it was like, uh, you know, pandering to her base, which is understandable. And it was very strange. And also the other reason why it's interesting is that she is really not very intelligent. I mean, okay, I, I'm, I'm really sure that she's intelligent, but the way she speaks, she talks all the time, even in the election, she was speaking in such broad terms that you wouldn't understand exactly what she stood for or what she would do. Even when you would have debates, uh, something you can't take away from Sarkozy, and I'm sure I, I, I voted for him, so Patrick, I'm sure it, Patrick, it's colored. Patrick, but yeah. that's, that's called politics. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not, I, honestly, that's not what it is. It's, I mean, when, when Sarkozy talks, he explains what he wants to do very clearly. And when she talks, she says, we need to get rid of poverty, for example. And we need to... Do you to, disagree with that? Uh, I would ask to know how she wants to do it. <laughs> who who uh, is she again? wants to. Ségolène Royal. Uh, she was... Oh, you don't know who she is? I thought you, you got uh, a lot of uh, uh, reports of, about her last year when, she, when the election took place. Yeah, but uh, she, she's the head of which... The Socialist Party. Well, she, she's, she's about to become maybe the head of the Socialist uh -huh, Party. Okay, right. And um, so anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're going to talk about Sarah Palin. And she's definitely not as bad as Well, I as thought Sarah we Palin. were talking about Sarah Palin. <laughs> well, okay, th this is my point, I guess. She's definitely not an idiot. She's, she's not that Sarah Palin is, but, oh, God, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to dig myself deeper and deeper. Um, and even some socialists were saying... I can't vote for her. She's not, uh, uh, not that she's not ready, but she's not president material, which links nicely to our topic on Sarah Palin, I guess. But our not president material is still, you know, a, a decent politician, mm. you know? So well, what, anyway. does that, what does that mean, not president material, if, she, if she's ready, but not president material? She's, she, I, I think the, the idea that you get when you hear her talk is that she doesn't know really know what she's doing she, she knows how to speak to to pander to her base but she doesn't give you anything sensible that you can say okay i believe in that idea i think that's going to work and let's put it in place because that's the right way to do it now, i have she, to agree with turkey it does that does sound like a common criticism of politics in general <laughs> well okay maybe i'm not making myself very very clear uh in the way that she makes me feel but and she makes a lot Patrick, of people it's feel. Cl it's clear how you feel, and maybe some people feel, <laughs> but that's normal politics, especially if you go to the U.S. They never sp talk specifics. Okay, maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit more than this, but I feel like I've spent uh, enough time and I, I haven't managed to express it in a way that's, you know, uh, She talks enough. in cliches. Hmm? More than that. But um, anyway, it, it's, and it's not because she's a socialist, but it's, it's because I think she, as a person, is not presidential material.
Anyway, mm. um, let's move on to um, to Turkey. I, I think you no, have no, no. Let, let's go to Tom. Tom is dying to talk about Alice. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, me? <laughs> okay, okay. Let, let's go to Tom. Go ahead, Tom. Anything you want to talk about? Uh, well, I don't know if uh, you probably have heard a little bit about we're having a uh, presidential election in the United States. In a, I, in a I really? I never uh, knew about that. So when is it's it? It's a local affair uh, <laughs> coming in the beginning of November. We, we, I mean, the, the, the bigger local, if, if you can consider the United States local, uh, it right now is, is the debates that happened on Friday between presidential candidates John McCain and Barack Obama. Uh, and it was really interesting, the now speaking locally, of what the reactions have been of people in my neighborhood. And of course, I live in, in Oakland, California, and this is an extremely uh, liberal area, uh, or leftist area, I would even go so far to Let's say. Let's just say, it's San Francisco for everybody out there who doesn't know where Auckland is. Yeah, yeah. Oakland is, is right across the bay from San Francisco. I would consider it left of San Francisco in some respects. Uh, it's right next to Berkeley, where the University of California, Berkeley is. Oh my and God. so you, ha you have a lot of Obama supporters around here. The, you know, no question about it. And so I, I saw some people, and, and my impression from the debate was that it was fairly close. Neither candidate really won the debate. They never debated, as is normal for United States debates. Uh, <laughs> they got in some pot shots at, at each other uh, here and there. But, but generally, uh, you know, nobody came out looking on top. Although Obama probably did a little better simply because McCain was behind going in, so you kind of have to come out ahead hmm. to win. So if anything, Obama did what he did, needed to do. The Obama supporters I've talked to were very tepid about his debate. Uh, one of them said, well, I hope he does better next time. Uh, another one said, yeah, it was interesting. I feel like he appealed more to independent voters or unaffiliated voters would be a better way of putting it, uh, mm. than he did to Democrats. Which is probably a good thing, because that's what he needs now. Democrats are not going to vote for, for uh, McCain anyway. So, Yeah, well, no, that's not exactly true. I mean, a lot of Hillary Clinton supporters... Those people are just crazy, and they're just... They can't... <laughs> they, they don't have... Uh, what's the word? Any... Uh, I don't know the word. They, they're they just, just can't take a lot. They can't <laughs> yeah. take a loss. Channel they're your spiteful. inner Dvorak, Turkey. Go ahead. Insult people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. For they, These people are idiots because she lost. They're just going to McCain just because Hillary lost, and that's the only reason they're doing it. Okay. And I... And I think they're not going to go to McCain. I think a lot of them like to say that. It's cathartic. It makes them feel better. But when they walk into that ballot box, or the, when they walk into the ballot box, that's going to hurt. When they walk in to vote and they, they mark their ballot, uh, they're not going to be able to bring themselves to vote for John McCain, especially the, the hardcore Hillary Clinton supporters are hardcore liberals. Uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're just not going to be able to do it. However, John McCain is the kind of moderate who can appeal to a lot of Democrats, hmm. or could have until he picked his running mate. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. Uh, before we, we go on to another topic, I just want to say, um, we didn't, we sort of got a little bit of report on the debate. Uh, most of it was, yeah, it happened, and uh, whatever. Uh, the, the ones who did report on it said it was uh, even, or maybe a little bit ahead for Obama, uh, a little bit. I watched it, and thought that um, 
it was sort of i didn't really think obama did that well um the one thing i would say though is that uh mccain played on emotions a lot and he he did you know appeal to the people's feelings almost on, on every level and obama was making sense with every answer he would make mm-hmm. um and in that sense uh, for me i would think that i it would give make me want to vote for obama more but as a whole i think he wasn't too bad mccain not too bad at all he was making uh reaching people uh very well i think no, I was watching on C- on CNN. They had a little uh, focus group with lines going up and down, positive and negative, uh, divided yeah, into Republicans, Democrats. Yeah, that was really interesting to watch. Whenever mm. either one of them started to go negative and attack the other one, that green line representing the independents went down. No, oh. the the swing voters are tired of that, uh, oh. which is which is un- actually somewhat unusual. Uh, uh, they they're just like that. That doesn't appeal to me. I, I, mm. I want to know facts. And when they got more factual or even inspirational in McCain's case, because I, I think you're right. I don't think Obama really pulled out his rhetorical guns, so to speak, mm. and got inspirational. I think he was very factual through the debate. They liked that, though. The, yeah. the independent voters liked that. Uh, one other thing I wanted to note, I, I feel like the only substantive discussion that occurred or at least the closest thing to it was about the diplomacy and they got off into well kissinger said this or kissinger didn't say that and that Mm. was ridiculous it didn't make any it didn't make any difference the point was when you boiled it down barack obama supports diplomatic uh negotiations without preconditions with iran north korea or uh, Pakistan. Um, uh, I can't remember the other two that he mentioned venezuela uh was one of them Uh, and, and and cuba and McCain does not. Uh, he he supports opening diplomatic negotiations, but with preconditions. Now, McCain was trying to make it stick that Obama want, would be the president and go meet with Ahmadinejad uh, right away. That's not what Obama says anymore. He did sort of say that one time. He doesn't believe that. It doesn't make any difference what, what he said or what he didn't say. Mm. I think we know what both candidates would do now. And that is a substantive foreign policy difference. Yeah. Okay. Tom... Go ahead. You can speak about whatever you want next. <laughs> what, is that an invitation to talk about our vice presidential I don't know. candidate? Wh- whatever you want. Because, okay. you know, lo- locally in California, we had the train accident down in uh, Southern California this month where uh, oh, Andrew was tec- texting while. Valid. What? Oh, come wait, on. Wait, wait, we wait. know what you want to talk about. Just say it. Tom. No, no, no. Wait, come wait. Who, who was texting while he was driving? The engineer, the engineer of a commuter train was texting uh, while operating the train, missed a signal, and ran into a freight train. Uh, Jeez. You know, several people lost their lives in the accident. It was it was pretty oh, horrible. Wow. I, I was uh, going to make fun of it, but if people die, yeah, it's not. Going. It's 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 a big story. Um, well, and, you can make uh, fun of the Hawaiian bus driver who was playing PSP while driving the bus. What? Oh man! Well, what game? Yeah, they caught him. They caught him on uh, <laughs> some some guy on the bus just recorded the whole thing on video with using his camera. He was playing the PSP while driving the bus. While driving the bus, he got I mean, fired. You could probably play Brain Age while driving the bus. I, I wouldn't want to play a side scroller or a shooter yeah. game. Yeah, that, yeah, it all comes down to the game. Um, okay. Well, anyway, so so yeah. you want to talk about Sarah Palin? Well, I thought you wanted to. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, I actually did a, a blog post uh, a few days ago about, I, I just want to say this as a disclaimer, um, you're going to talk about Sarah Palin, right? 
Sure. Okay. So I did a blog post uh, entitled, what was it? Um, uh, a rant that was called, Believing the Earth is 5,000 years old is not okay. And what I said in that blog post is, um, it wasn't on her specifically, but of course she was, she was, you know, a, a part of it. It's that I'm, I'm getting tired of people um, validating that theory by not saying how completely idiotic it is. And I, anyway, it, it's, it was saying that it's a, it's a, a, a threat to our uh, society because rational thinking is at the base of our society and believing that is not rational thinking. So if you validate it, you're doing a disservice to us as a people and as a society. So anyway, that was my, my rant. Uh, I just wanted to say it because it, it, you know, it gives me a certain uh, bias towards Sarah Palin. So go ahead. Yeah, my biggest my biggest problem with John McCain picking Sarah Palin it has to be the science issues. Uh, her religion is her religion, and if she if she believes what she believes and keeps it out of politics, that's fine. Uh, I will I will judge her based on her policy beliefs. Unfortunately, in this case, she's, she's backpedaled quite a bit and said, well, yes, I do personally believe in creationism, but I don't think it should be dictated what should be taught in schools. What she's saying there is is what the uh, the intelligent design movement tries to push, which is we shouldn't dictate one side or the other be taught. Uh, uh, mm. pe teachers should be allowed to teach the controversy, so to speak. And I, I believe there was that British scientist who got axed from the Royal Society for promoting the same idea with a totally different take on it. What Sarah Palin is trying to do is say, we should make the schools teach both evolution and creationism, or intelligent design, actually, uh, which is a slightly different take, yeah. and let the students decide. And that's ridiculous. The intelligent design is not a scientific theory. Uh, it, is, it is working in reverse. It's very easy to defend intelligent design because all it supposes is that uh, there is some intelligent creator who has designed this sort of the system for us, and you can then shoot down any argument against it by saying, "Well, that's just your theory. Where's your proof?" What you don't have to actually support it because it's not a scientific theory that's built up from any kind of evidence. I can, you know, that's where the flying spaghetti monster movement comes from. Is, Which is you you awesome, you just jump in and say, you know what? I believe that a flying spaghetti monster created a world, uh, and there's no you can't prove that he didn't. Well, and I so think that does... controversy should also be taught in schools. Absolutely, which was a brilliant move, by the way. The, the flying spaghetti monster is very clever as well as very funny. But, I mean, I, I don't want to derail the, the debate about her specifically and make it into a, a debate about creationism. Um, but I guess creationism in itself, if you, you say that the Earth was created, you know, whatever, 4.5 million year, uh, billion years ago, and that God did it at that moment, and that he also created the universe, that's one thing. If you say that God created the earth 5,000 years ago, it's quite another. And Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and you're right, we shouldn't get too far off. But that really is my fundamental problem uh, yeah. with Sarah Palin and, and with others like her, is that, you know what, the Pope is fine with evolution. The Episcopalian yeah. Church, fine with evolution. The Methodists in the United States, fine with evolution. This yeah. is a very radical uh, movement that's trying to appear as if it's mainstream. Uh, I think the reason, and that's where it touches on religion, which is a 
completely different debate, but uh, for me, you know, in the blog post, which is why I didn't link it to religion in the blog post, but I think the reason why it, it evolves like this is that it has to do with fundamental Christians wanting to take the, the Bible literally. And if you can't say that the earth is 5,000 years old, as you can argue that it's said in the Bible, then there's a whole lot of things that you can't say either, because if the Bible is wrong on this, then it's going to be, it can be wrong on many other things. And I right. think that's the knot of the problem. That's why the people who want to, to believe in, these, in this young earth theory bullcrap are so adamant about it. Maybe most people don't realize that the re that's the reason, but the radical Christians who defend that theory want to defend it because it validates, it, if it's not defended, that it invalidates other arguments from, uh, you know, the literal reading of the Bible. But well, for example, I would say, like, uh, you, you shouldn't take things literal, especially in holy books. For example, in our belief system in Islam, we do believe, just like Christian, that God created uh, heaven and earth in six days. But if you go and ask anybody, well, six days, they would say, well, six days is according to God. Six days could be, a day could be equal to a thousand years in, in a human life, could be a million years in human life. We don't know exactly what those six days are. It's just a metaphor that it took six days. It doesn't yeah. really exactly mean six days as in 24 hours. Yeah, and I, believe I, that's even, I believe that's even in the Torah. Uh, or the Old Testament, or, or or ever how those those books are referred in all three religions, uh, where it says a day unto God is like unto a thousand years, yeah. and so, like unto well, means kind of like it could be any amount of time. Sure, I guess yeah, you know I, I I still see this as a little bit of you know twisting yourself, twisting the argument so that it fits your beliefs maybe. But but this is why I, I was saying that it's really a radical view and a lot of people who are Christians I mean I don't have a problem with religion I just have a problem with presenting a belief as a scientific fact and anyway let, let's not let's move away let's from let's pretend the that Sarah Palin isn't uh, for creationism okay. or, or teaching intelligent design in school What's boy other, that interview with yeah. Katie Couric this week on CBS uh, Russia uh, thing? certainly didn't do her any favors um, you know what I, I just want to say for the few people who don't even know what happened there with uh, Sarah Palin she is the uh, vice president pick for uh, Senator McCain so the Republican and um, the problem with her the problem that most people have with her apart from her religious views that include, you know, the earth thing and the uh, um, uh, pregnancy, uh, the abortion issue, which she believes. Does she think that earth is flat also? Uh, let's not. It, come on. <laughs> stop it. Enough. Um, uh, the problem is, uh, she has very little experience as a, a, polit a politician, and. Um, the, the fact that she's a woman was seen as a brilliant move on, on uh, uh, McCain's part at first because you would get all the uh, 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 Clinton lovers, right? But then we started to dig into what she believes in and what she stands for and what she experienced she has, and that's where the problems started to arise. And so she did an interview, a couple of interviews, which were very difficult to get uh, in the past few, uh, I mean, the past couple of weeks, I guess. And both of these interviews were 
Well, Tom, I, I'll let you talk about that. What happened? Well, there? yeah, her, uh, her interview with Katie Couric. Now, the, it was interesting. The way the package was delivered on air on CBS News was much more flattering, uh, albeit not that flattering at all, than the raw interview they posted online, where you can see Sarah Palin fumbling around to try to answer a question, talking in half sentences, talking in fragments, at one point even saying, oh, like, oh, I remembered a talking point. Uh, very obvious that she did not know the fundamentals of the issues, that these are things she's boning up on. Uh, if she weren't running for vice president, it would be absolutely forgivable. She's the governor of Alaska. She is actually not that unintelligent. Uh, she can speak intelligently about the issues of her state, and she's very good on camera. She's a journalist. She's a former sports reporter. Uh, she, her, her speech at the Republican convention was excellent. Uh, so she's she's got charisma, but the thing is, she does it. It's not just about experience. It's about immersion in these issues, and the inability to marshal the facts at her fingertips the way that people who have been doing this for decades, uh, like John McCain and Senator Obama, can do because they're working with it every day. She's mm. obviously learning this stuff on the fly, and they don't allow her to speak to the press ever. Uh, Joe Biden, the vice presidential nominee on the Democratic side, is out every day separate from Barack Obama. Yeah. Sarah Palin is often appearing with John McCain, uh, and when she is alone, not allowed to speak to reporters. In fact, they, uh, she visited the United Nations and met with Hamid Karzai of Afghanistan, was, uh, was allowed to be photographed for 30 seconds before they ushered the producers out of the room because they didn't want to hear, they didn't want them to hear her conversation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, it was funny. I talked to my sister about this when they first nominated her. My sister is, she's a moderate. She's not a Democrat. She's not a Republican. She lives in our hometown, small town of about 7,000 people in southern Illinois in the middle of the United States. And she said, you know what, this would be like if Alan Gaffner who is the current mayor of Greenville, Illinois, uh, and has been the mayor for about seven years. If Alan Gaffner became governor of Illinois tomorrow, and then a year and a half later, they nominated him for vice president. She's like, I love Alan Gaffner, but he shouldn't be the vice president of the United States. That's exactly the same experience that Sarah Palin has. She was the mayor of a town of 9,000 people uh, for several years, then became governor of Alaska for a year and a half. And it's, you know, it's a big state geographically, but it's a small state populace-wise. Well, um, and of course she has experience in international relationships because <laughs> she's neighboring Canada and Russia. Yeah, well, they, Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live here in the United States did a great imitation of her in that interview with Katie Couric where she talked about, you know, what Alaskans do with, to guard themselves against the Russians. It was pretty hilarious. Which I guess is fair enough. Um, and... You know, we are being, we're bashing on her. And I think, I honestly, sincerely think that she's not ready to be, if, if McCain cans, if he dies, God forbid, he's elected and he dies, she could be the president of the, I want to say the president of the free world, because what everyone free has world? to understand the... Well, <laughs> Europe, for example, what would have... Would what free have world? The, there's no free world in the oh, U.S. anymore. On. You should come on. No, I'm uh, talking... I live there. I I'm live talking, there. It's I'm talking changing. about... Stop it. I, I'm talking about our, our Everywhere Western outside China, right? Exactly. Well, maybe not... And Cuba. You, you get my meaning. Um, <laughs> and, and so it does concern us very much in, in France, too, 
Um, and I want to ask something about this to, to Turkey also, but are we being uh, Democrats, are we being leftists in not, in not thinking that she's a... Is there an argument that can be made that she's just, you know, she's new and she's learning as she goes and she would be fine in a few months? Well, can you make that argument, honestly? No. And let me, tell, let me explain something to you. If I was an American citizen and I had to choose whether to register a Democrat or a Republican, I would be Republican all the way because I do follow a lot of their values. However, I can see... I can say without hesitation, I would never vote to McCain and Palin. And the Palin completely lost me because she used the same words Bush used when she says it was God's will to invade Iraq. Hmm. I would yeah, like I, to meet God and see him I, tell her that that was his will. Yeah, I would like to see that too. No, I think I think America had a crush on Sarah Palin. I think uh, whether it was John McCain or his advisors or the Republican Party pressuring him, they made a desperate short-term move to try to counter Barack Obama's mo momentum coming out of the Democratic National Convention, and it worked. Uh, they, you know, I, I don't mean to sound sexist, but. But she, she really captured people. She charmed them. Everybody thought she was great. Oh, look at her. Who, now, who, who was it? that it was, charm it was is John, wearing off. It was John it Stewart was, who said uh, it was like a Disney movie, like the, the mom who became president or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that charm is wearing off now. People are like, okay, she, uh, you know, now that I've gotten to know her, I'm not as enamored anymore. The, the, mm. the, the bloom is off the rose, so e to speak. Even, even Republicans? Yeah, I do. I think even Republicans. Now, not the more fundamentalist extreme right, which is another reason they picked her. I think they're going to stand behind her because they believe in all of her values, including the ones we've talked about involving creationism and abortion and God telling us to go into Iraq. But but the, the majority of the Republicans aren't like that, and they are starting to be very uncomfortable with their party's choice of nominee as it becomes more and more evident that she is not up to snuff she is she is not up to this job and and, and i'm not i'm i i don't think i am being partisan when i say that i mean i think it's become evident and it's be, it's yeah. become a bad choice well, uh, very interested to see the vice presidential debate next week yeah it, it's a very tricky thing because if you attack her her inexperience it, in a, in a very ironic kind of way, if you attack her inexperience, then people are going to turn around and attack Barack Obama's experience. And if you attack the fact that she's uh, she's you know she doesn't know what she's doing, you're going to say, "Oh, you're a sexist," and you're yeah, saying I, that because she's a woman. I think it's, that it's, second that second tactic is still working, but that first one mm -hmm. stopped working after a while because people can evidently see okay. the difference in capability between Obama and Palin. So that sort of well, he's yeah. not that experienced either. That's ringing very hollow now. Yeah, um, I I would like to know before we move on, uh, Turkey. What what did you uh, hear about her in, in Saudi Arabia? Uh, I I got here uh, just after the whole thing, so by the time I got here, everything was. Not interesting so, at all, so okay. I wouldn't know. Okay. Um, what I you do know is what happened in the past few weeks in, in Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and uh, maybe you can tell us about that. Well, a few things happened back here, and one of them is a few fatwas that are pissing me off and annoying. Um, we maybe, have... maybe you can explain what a fatwa is exactly, because I think half the people would think it's, you know, declaring war. 
Well, fatwa is a religious decree that uh, from a religious leader that uh, decrees something on a religious basis that if people are supposed to follow, Muslims are supposed to follow. So we got this, uh, the head of the Saudi court system here in Saudi Arabia was asked a question on TV once on how to react to the whole uh, owners of TV stations that are, they believe are broadcasting corruption to the youth of the nation, of the country. What are they broadcasting, first of all? Is it like MTV and the regular uh, satellite yeah, yeah, channels? Yeah, okay. stuff like MTV, music, TV series, stuff like that. Normal TV series, American movies, American TV series, anything like that. So his fatwa was that it's a long one. Let me try to quote him because I really don't want to put words in his mouth. Uh, Part of it, he says, if the evil of those who promote corruption in belief and actions cannot be held back through lesser punishments, then they can be put to death through the judicial process. The last part is important. The last part is important. The judicial process is a good thing. It's there. However, the problem is nobody even looked at that part. And then you have the problem with all the fundamentals who don't believe in that judicial process. Part. And and fact is, this government, the government of Saudi would never allow any of this to go through court. Mm. And he's the head. He is the head of the judicial system. Yeah, and he is the head of the judicial system. He just gave this fatwa that was too vague enough that it could be actually used by fundamentalists and those extremists to go out and kill all owners and people who work in TV stations and so on. Oh, people and it who was work there too. Outrage. Well, it, it just covers them because if the owners can be killed, come on, those are helping them. So you have yeah. to, it's, 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 it's just so vague, people can use yeah. it in different ways. I, it, it, first of all, we didn't hear about this in France, which is kind of surprising too. But second of all, it came as a surprise to me when you talked about it, because uh, I thought that Saudi Arabia, especially from what you've been telling us, that King uh, Abdullah, is it? I'm sorry. Yes, I, yes, yes, King Abdullah. Um, was very moderate and and was trying to steer Saudi Arabia towards a more um, Western way of life and thinking. Yeah, and it, it, that is true. And and trust me, the king was really pissed off as soon as he had word about this fatwa. And he then even the the head of the Saudi court was forced to come on TV on Saudi TV exactly 24 hours after that fatwa was become became public to explain it. To the people, does it happen that that extremists uh, do uh, terrorist attacks in a routine? Well, maybe not routinely, but every once in a while in Saudi Arabia. Well, not for a long time. The the, the government is uh, very tough on extremists. They keep on catching them and and holding them back. But this is just something that could actually you could say this is just the light that could start a fire. Mm, okay, Tom, did you so. hear about this? No, I didn't. Uh, that's it's uh, it's fascinating. So it sounds like uh, if I have this right, Turkey, it's a little bit of an end around the the legal system to to put this out there. Uh, and and what would be the motivation of making that fatwa? Well, uh, basically, this fatwa, I would think it's uh, uh, it's complete idiocy. That's the motivation. 
this guy is just a complete idiot that did not know how to put the right wording into this whole thing. He should have used, this is my opinion, instead of saying that they should be killed through the supreme judicial system, they should have used, they might be punished by death if the uh, ruler decides so. If he used that word, that would have killed most of the whole thing. Mm. But it, it's so vague enough that people actually so, can use it for their own benefits. So, so you mean that it wasn't malicious intent on his part to twist, you know, to circumvent the, the judicial system. It was just that he didn't know how to phrase it? Uh, yeah, and then he, he, he's so proud of, what, of himself. He has this mm. huge pride that he would refuse to change it. He would just try to explain it. He would refuse okay. to change it or back out of it. Okay, wow. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, anything else? Less depressing, yeah. maybe? Yeah, well, another, this is a less depressing one, and this is uh, it's more outrageous for me than to anybody else. In the news that has been uh, broadcast all over the internet, and some, even Fox News talked about it, <laughs> that this religious uh, leader in Saudi Arabia issued a fatwa declaring that Mickey Mouse should be killed. <laughs> Does the leader understand Mickey Mouse is fictional? Uh, let me explain what it is exactly what it is. So I kept quiet. I decided not to react on it and wait for a couple of days. A couple of days later, that the religious leader gave his explanation. It sounded reasonable, sounded, and I went out and looked for the source that they used, that they said this fatwa, that he came on TV and he issued the fatwa on TV when asked. So I saw that clip in Arabic. And I listened to it, and let me say, people just like to play things out of proportion and give meanings for something that does not have that meaning. First so, of so all... What, yeah, so what was the real deal here? Well, the real deal is, this religious leader was talking about that the influence of cartoons and foreign media on uh, Muslim kids, and he was giving examples that, for example, uh, mice are disgusting animals, they... Uh, uh, spread disease and mm. sickness all around and according to religious faith you're supposed to kill mice and so on and it, it is kind of funny that when you see which, which that, for by example, the way I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I just want to make that point it makes sense because you, you know rats yeah. spread diseases yeah. it, it's yeah. rats yeah. In, yeah. we have yeah. the, the phrase build a better mouse trap because yeah. people trap mice and kill them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so part of what he said, he said, for example, we see this Mickey Mouse where all of the kids love him, this character, when he's a mouse that's supposed to be killed. So was the, 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 the <laughs> intent to say that they might come to pet mice in their house and, and yes, get Yes, disease? that's exactly okay. what he was talking about. Okay, oh. so this is ridiculous in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the religious guy came out, the religious leader, and his name is Munjit, and he said, are you crazy? Would I issue a fatwa to kill a cartoon character? How, the, how do you kill a cartoon character? Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the things he was saying might not have been very, you know, a little bit misguided in the way he was presenting them. But again, that's, uh, he was making a point that can be argued. It's not like he was saying... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so it, yeah, it sounds like his point was that uh, these cartoons are unacceptable. Uh, yeah, they're not acceptable. To, so they're, yeah, they're encouraging okay. kids to like rats and mice when this yeah. dangerous and such creatures should be killed. That's Which what I also said. think is sort of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I well, 
I mean, it's, the, it's always the argument about cartoons, and we have our, uh, similar discussions in the United States about cartoon violence and whether uh, violence in cartoons causes kids to want to you know, perpetuate violence on others. And, 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 and as Patrick said, it's an arguable point. Uh, I, th- I think it's it is a little... It's an arguable point, but the, the, this is really annoying that, and it came and this whole thing started by some uh, or, uh, charity organization that's supposed to be monitoring the Middle East media and broadcasting translations of everything that happens in the Middle East. Mm. I went, I checked that website, Every single thing they broadcast is a negative against the Middle East. They pick everything mm-hmm. negative in the Arab media and broadcast and says this is what they say in the Middle East. I never saw a single positive thing on that website. What, what's it's the a name? Disney conspiracy. <laughs> what's the name of, the, of that organization so that we can identify them? Uh, I'm not really, I don't remember exactly. I think okay. it was something media, Middle East media something. Oh. Uh, I don't remember. Okay. It's uh, just well, short. It has a short something. Yeah. I guess the, the, the fact that they would broadcast negative stuff only would be bad enough. But if they twist it into a big story when it's actually not, is really problematic because a lot of people who would report on it would not, ha- not have access to the uh, original story since it's in Arabic. So. Yeah, well, it, it's, 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 the, the whole thing was just went out of uh, proportions. It, yeah. This religious leader was attacked by even Arabs and Saudis here in Saudi Arabia because yeah. that's what they heard the media yeah. broadcasting, that this is what he said, and it was broadcast on CNN, on BBC, even Fox News made fun of it. Oh, um, I would imagine Fox News loved it. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> oh, just, yeah. the, just the kind of misunderstanding they like they like to oh, take yeah, and twist exactly, and turn exactly. They loved it. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Turkey, anything else? I think we're gonna move on. Uh, yeah, I think that's all for now. Okay. Um, well, yeah, we're a little bit behind, so we're just gonna uh, go to the uh, and now for something different section to top it all off. Okay, uh, a quirky, funny, silly story from our local uh, places uh, to finish on a lighter note. Um, do you guys have any? I have one, but uh, I can... I, can uh, I think I have one. Lead the way. I'm trying to rack my brain for one. Okay, Turkey, go ahead. Yours are always the, the best ones, so... <laughs> Uh, well, I, I have, this is, uh, I think this is hilarious in, in its own way. The Ministry of uh, Employment in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Ministry of Labor, their website was hacked with by an unemployed citizen who put the message on the main page, find me a job, please. <laughs> wow, that, that's pretty creative. <laughs> and uh, did, did he get a job with it? <laughs> he didn't put his name. I doubt he will put his name. He'll be arrested. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That would be another issue. But I mean, some IT security firm would would have to be interested. Well, oh. the whole the whole website was horrible. It, it, the website was weak anyway. They didn't put oh. any good precautions to protect it. And the funny part is, this hack was easily fixable. It could take five minutes to to remove and fix. Mm. It stayed on the website for a whole day. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. even during the hours of work for the ministry, nobody even tried to remove it, and it would have <laughs> taken them less than five minutes to remove. It was wow. a simple, very simple hack. It was just a page he put up and made link to it. That's silly. <laughs> okay, uh, Tom, do you have one? 
I, I can uh, yeah, I guess I'll, de- I'll decide on this one. There really hasn't been a lot of quirky news in the in in the recent past here, just because everybody's so freaked out about the financial crisis well, and the I presidential really don't election. See why? Yeah, all that. Like but you have but, other things going on. Up in uh, Sacramento, which is the capital of California, uh, police are on the case of a man who is stealing toilet parts. What? He, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a serial toilet part stealer. He dresses up as a plumber uh, and goes and steals the flushing mechanisms. Uh, he took two out of the California State Auto Association building in July, uh, and, and, and they have no idea what's motivating him, uh, but he's been doing it so often that they've actually opened a case file to track and wow. stop him from stealing toilet parts. Maybe his toilet keeps uh, breaking down. Well, yeah, maybe he's just stockpiling or, or, you know, he's trying to build one of his own urinals. They're not that easy to purchase. (laughs) Wow. That could be the plot of a very interesting movie. Yeah, it sounds Um, like a Coen Brothers movie or something. Um, Okay, mine is actually not that funny, but maybe a little bit strange for uh, people, especially in the U.S. Um, We are beginning to have a... And I didn't do that on purpose, but I did a blog post about uh, uh, obesity uh, obesity uh, a few days ago. Um, that's on my personal blog, by the way, patrickbeja.com, uh, not the Phileas Club uh, uh, blog. Um, and that one, uh, that story is that we are beginning to have uh, an obesity problem in France also. And it's not as bad as it is in the U.S., but um, the, they are t- taking action... Um, in the government, and one of the measures they proposed uh, was, of course, as we deal with everything, to increase taxes. So it's very <laughs> possible that in the next few months we're going to have an increased VAT, uh, VTA, uh, value-added tax, VAT, um, mm-hmm. on fat and sugary snacks and products in general, uh, from 5%, which is the general VAT, to 20% on those products uh, specifically. So I think in that inst- instance, it's a it's a good tax raise. But uh, yeah, it was interesting that that's the way. Yeah, exactly, a fat tax. Uh, Patrick, uh, is there anything in France you don't have a VAT on it? Well, you know, one day, well, actually, we don't. We have VAT on everything. But um, I will have to detail the amount of taxes we get in France. I, I hear some conflicting reports that say that we don't have as much taxes as in some other places, but. One day I'll do it. I won't do it now because we're getting really long, uh, but it will be an interesting uh, conversation too. Um, Guys, uh, we're going to end this uh, episode. I really want to thank you uh, for coming on. It was definitely very interesting. Um, A little bit to the left as usual, and I I will one day do something about that also. Um, But, you know, we're we're getting used to that, and we do have fun in the process. I hope that everyone understands that it's our... Most of these are our personal opinions. Um, anyway, I, I want to give you guys a, a little bit of time to plug your, your uh, personal blogs and, and sites and everything. Um, Turkey, why don't you go first? Well, my blog is sodlife.net, and it's about Saudi Arabia and news from Saudi Arabia. I also make a broad, uh, podcast on it once a month, and I post news and commentary on it about Saudi Arabia every now and then. So if you want to learn about the Middle East from uh, a very interesting and in English, everything is in English, a uh, very focused perspective, I really recommend that you go take a look at Saudi Life. It's definitely an interesting uh, blog. Um, Thanks. You're, you're welcome. I wouldn't say it if I didn't think so. Um, Tom, where can people find you? 
Uh, I, I, I well, don't mean in the in the streets or in real life. <laughs> I'm in downtown Oakland. Uh, no, I, I TomMerritt.com uh, or, or TomMerritt.net or however you want to put the top-level domain uh, is sort of the one place where I kind of keep people up to date on all the different things I'm doing. But since East Meets West was sort of what influenced you to, to bring me on here, I'll plug that specifically. It's at subbrilliant.com slash emw. Uh, subbrilliant with two B's, and that is a blog and mostly podcast uh, where we kind of kick around issues for a half an hour or so every week. Uh, how did the name come about? What, what's that about? East meets West uh, has to. It's a play on several things. Uh, for one, Roger, my my co-host, is Chinese, and right. uh, and I am European by descent. We're both born in the United States, uh, but he represents sort of the eastern view of his heritage and, and mine the western view uh i am from the eastern half of the united states however i was born like i said in, in illinois uh and he was born in california so he has the western part of yeah. uh, uh of, of the country and, and i the eastern part of the country and then it's also just sort of a global worldview of of how we we talk about things it's it's trying to bring the east west perspectives together okay so it's it was all of the things i thought about and not just one yeah it was kind of a i think we just sort of it popped out of one of our mouths and we're like oh it works on this level and this level and this level and that's why we liked it <laughs> you think you're so clever <laughs> roger certainly does okay that he thinks that you're very clever or that yes he, he does he, he always <laughs> says how clever i am Okay, well, thanks a lot, guys. Um, you can find, of course, the Felix Club blog that was turned into a blog recently. Um, it's not that not that I post a lot on it, just the episodes, but still uh, at uh, the Felix the You can review us on iTunes, and please do so if you uh, like the show. You can also dig us, uh, which would help us. I think we got up like we're on the third page on political podcasts. So if we could just get on the second page for that show, it would be great so if you use dig.com just go there and well actually you can go on the Phyllis club blog and just push the little dig button there and uh, last thing i would say is that you can follow me on twitter at uh, not patrick it's twitter.com slash not patrick if you like what i say and what i uh, joke about every day you can get that uh, at twitter.com slash not patrick um guys anything else you want to add uh plug your twitters or something like that Yeah, sure. Twitter.com slash Ace Detect, A-C-E-D-T-E-C-T. If you can figure out how to remember to write that down, you can follow me. <laughs> Turkey, do you have a Twitter? Oh, yeah, but I hardly ever use it. Uh, okay. It's uh, it's Saudi. My Twitter is Saudi. Just yep. Saudi. S-A-U-D-I. Oh, I'm going to go and follow you right now, so you're going to have to use it. <laughs> okay, well, it's a, it's a little boring at the moment, so I'm very slow. Until my ah. life starts moving a bit, then I can start twittering more. Okay, you'll, well, you'll let that us. That doesn't know. stop anyone else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to Twitter is ah. Oh, let's not get into what Twitter is. Um, okay, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, it was really nice to have you on, and uh, I uh, will talk to you soon. And I will talk to all of you, the listeners, uh, next month for another episode of the Phileas Club. Thanks a lot, and goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.